For the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders, I'm Pat Rich, and this is Leading the Way, the podcast for and about physician leaders. This series focuses on how physicians can become better leaders, and at the moment, we are looking at this in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada. On today's show, your host, Dr. Johnny Van Aird, Executive Medical Director of CSPL, and the current editor of the Canadian Journal of Physician Leadership, will be speaking with Dr. John Hagee. John is Minister of Health and Community Services for Newfoundland and Labrador. Appointed to cabinet in 2015, John is now the longest serving minister in this role for the past 25 years. John trained and practiced as a general surgeon and is a former president of the Canadian Medical Association. Over to you, Johnny. Well, thanks, Pat, and and thanks, John, for uh, for making time during what is a very busy time right now. No, you're more than welcome, Johnny. It's uh, nice to have an opportunity to take a little breather for a minute. You and I are at uh, at opposite sides of of the country, and and, uh, and although we're all into this together, um, things are a little bit different. So, at the moment, what are the most important concerns for you in Newfoundland? Getting ready, really, uh, Johnny. We've seen what's happened across the rest of Canada. We have a little bit of a lag. Uh, The uh, most populous portion of our province is actually on an island. The rest of us are really a a really large territory. We have a distributed uh, healthcare system. And quite frankly, uh, public health has been something of a Cinderella over the years. So that's caused us uh, some challenges. But like everybody else, we're uh, we're gearing up to face the same challenges that uh, you would see in BC, Alberta, Ontario, or, or uh, Nova Scotia. So political and clinical leadership can be very different. And you have fulfilled several of these roles. So how do you make the most effective use of both political and clinical leadership skills in managing this particular pandemic? I think I honed what skills I do have in the clinical arena very much. Uh, And with the kind of practice I had, uh, you know, and I don't think it's unique to my practice as a surgeon, communication with patients, communication with family and communication with other healthcare workers was fundamental to getting anything done. And I found that my job really now uh, in, in politics is all around messages. It's all around those communications and the skills that you pick up in dealing with distressed uh, family, with distressed patients, uh, with agitated co-workers with the stress of a big case in the night, they have come in immensely useful in dealing with the kind of challenges that you'd see in, in political leadership uh, with agitated uh, workers, with crises of the moment, uh, and the ability to sometimes just sit back and say, well, is this really a crisis uh, and do we have time and how should we approach it? So as a clinician, and when you were in charge of uh, the CMA, uh, distributed leadership was was one of your, your leadership styles. But now the command and control leadership seems to be dominant and sometimes important as an approach to be taken by politicians in the moment. And so my question is, are you comfortable with that command and control leadership style? Or do you personally prefer to maintain other leadership styles? I think there's an air of decisiveness that you need both in clinical work uh, and in, uh, in, in politics. I think command and control, quite honestly, outside of the military, and some might even argue within, is, is not as 
immediately uh, command or control-ish as you would like. Quite frankly, the decisions that uh, we make uh, in politics are based on best advice uh, and there is an ability as the leader in a politically based department to call consensus. And in clinical work, you were at the end of the day, the person who filtered out what you thought was good advice, relevant advice or, or, or peripheral. And with the Canadian Medical Association and the NLMA, there was a, a more purer consensus form of decision making in some ways. But really and honestly, I think uh, the the uh, the way the message is delivered is more about the appearance of command and control because in a crisis, that decisiveness or apparent decisiveness is what will sway the day. Uh, but the basis of that is often more consensus-based than I think people would appreciate. So as you mentioned, John, you've had several and quite different leadership roles. So you've gone quite through a journey, kind of zooming in, zooming out in different areas. And so as you have gone through that journey, what leadership values do you find particularly useful at this time? I think you've got to have some clarity of thought and and goal setting, uh, I think, is the ability to decide on what your important goals are. I think one of the challenges coming into uh, contact in the way I have with the civil service, and I don't think it's a failing, I think it's an attribute, is that there has been a great tendency for them to like uh, a plan to the nth degree so that they know exactly what step uh, will follow. The challenge in clinical work is that you can make the next best decision uh, and nature and disease will sometimes throw you off completely. So there, there's always an accepted level of uncertainty. Uh, and I think the ability to set goals, live with uncertainty and allow people to do what they do best with those goals in mind has been the key to me and this department getting where we've been able to go. And I, I would argue that locally, for those of you uh, listeners who may not appreciate the, the transformation that's taken place here in healthcare, has certainly to this date been very much around mental health and addiction services, which was our crisis in 2015-16, uh, and, and reorganizing things. And indeed, I found that then had become a template for looking at the more traditional facility-based approaches to healthcare and seeing how we can move into the 21st century. So goals and ability to acknowledge uncertainty and ability to listen to best advice, but also to decide sometimes that the uncertainty piece just has to be factored in in the best way possible. You talk about transformation. So, so one of the things I'm wondering is what, what you're learning or, and have learned already so far from what we're seeing in the pandemic that you will think will affect the future of our healthcare system will actually transform part of our system, healthcare systems. One of the mantras that we've actually got here, and it is kind of a local flavor with come from away and 9-11, is that, you know, we talk about how 9-11 here has altered the way we travel. I think COVID-19 is going to alter completely the way we socialize and the way we, we shop and the way we live as a community. It will not be better, it will not be worse, it will be different. But I think one of the challenges that we will have, and I think one of the fundamentals of human nature, is that need to be physically present. Uh, that is going to cause us major, major issues over the coming weeks and months, because it is the only way this virus gets around. But at the end of the day, I think it will be the counterbalance to 
to some of the technology and the virtual things that we're pushing now for necessity. And I think you'll see a pendulum maybe swing back. That may challenge us from a public health point of view, because I think that will potentially bring another wave of COVID back again. So uh, it's going to be interesting because fundamentally human beings biologically are social beings. They're not isolated beings. And I don't know whether technology will replace completely uh, and to what extent that desire for almost human touch. Anything specifically around the health system that you think will change? I think uh, we are becoming a much more distributed healthcare system. I think the idea of having a center of excellence as a building on a hill uh, and, you know, the patient coming to a center of learning or a center of care are, are, uh, are things of the past. I think people will want care in their own front room. And if not, then ideally as near to their own front room as possible. Obviously, uh, for some uh, services, that's going to be not practical. And the question the system is going to have to deal with is what is a reasonable, what is a reasonable congregation or concentration of, of resources? Uh, and the, the, the thing that's going to drive that is, I think, society's demand for, um, you know, the application of very high tech. The future in, in our province, particularly over the next 30 years around seniors care and our aging demographic is very much going to be low tech, old school interventions. But the high tech piece will still continue to drive um, a, a lot of the desire of the, uh, the, the society as a whole. And balancing those tensions is going to be difficult. John, any final advice for your colleague physician leaders across Canada? Yes, no one's got all the answers. No good plan survives first contact with reality. Uh, and physicians are capable of far more in the terms of leadership and administration than they would give themselves credit for. Thanks very much, John, for taking the time to talk to us today, to talk with the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders. You're more than welcome, Johnny. It's a delight, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Over to you again, Pat. Thanks, Johnny, and thanks, John. That's our show for today. We have more outstanding physician leaders lined up over the next couple of weeks to talk about how they are coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you will subscribe to these podcasts through your favorite podcast platform. They can also be accessed through the CSPL website at physicianleaders.ca. Until next time.